Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Romeo Dubs here, listening to Radio Network right now. Um, you know, huge honor, huge blessing. Perfect, thank you. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is Top 10 Takeaways from the 2023 NFL Combine. Day number one. I'm here with Alex Dunlap from Rosterwatch at Rosterwatch on the Twitters. I am Cody Carpenter. You can find me on Twitter at Carpenter NFL. Day one, though, in the books. We've been up since, well, not too, not too early. It was 10 a.m. this morning. 10 a.m. We had to be over at the convention center, and uh, we just got done here at about 4:30 Eastern time. So kind of an all-day affair with the likes of Josh McDaniels, Terry Fontenot, Sean Payton, Andy Reid, John Lynch, all the favorites, and all the way down to Rand Carthen, the brand-new GM of the Tennessee Titans. We're going to unload the notebook here this afternoon for you, and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Alex, where do you want to begin? Yeah, just a lot to get to, man. I figure just – I don't know, man, just so much. I just Maybe we can go in just chronological, chronological order through the day and just sort of discuss what some of these – you know, coaches and GMs had to say some of it you've probably um, seen on Twitter or you've seen, you know, reposted elsewhere, you know, Roto World and stuff like that. We're, you know, we're here to help find out what's going on with some of these fantasy situations. And a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these reporters who are on the beat for these teams look at us like we have a third eye or we have some kind of fucking ass for a face because we're bumping up in front of everyone. Everyone has these fantasy questions. But I mean, like, no one's going to do it if we don't do it. So, I- I think I want to I want to beginning with that because if you go right now on Twitter and, and everyone that's been on Twitter all day maybe you haven't seen my tweets or, or the tweets at Roster Watch you see maybe the stuff at PFF maybe the stuff at uh, at uh, 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 NBC Sports Edge and a lot of those questions th- nobody's asking fantasy questions nobody's asking about uh, Traylon Burks nobody's asking about uh, you know Kenny Gainwell Calvin f- Calvin fucking, fucking Austin fuck, fucking Calvin Austin <laughs> nobody like people look at you goofy when you ask yeah. these questions but. I mean, that's, that's literally, I think, what differentiates both of our, our companies, and that's uh, asking the questions that fucking no, – the best is literally when you ask a question and, and all of the team beats turn and look at you and they're like, what the who, the – who gives a fuck about – we care. We care. Well, that's why we're here. We're asking about David Bell and stupid shit like that. So we're going to run through about 25 of these guys that had questions today. There's going to be a bevy of them tomorrow as well as the prospects coming in. Um, but, yeah, I guess if you start at the top, it was uh, Josh McDaniels, Terry Fontenot, Sean Payton, and Questy Adolfo Mensa from the Vikings at 10 o'clock this morning. Did you have any notes from any of these four guys? Yeah, so, I mean, I have some I have some audio here, and hopefully it'll work just through my phone if I put it up here next to the deal. So let's start out with 
Terry Fontenot. I was interested in talking with Terry Fontenot and just asking him what he thought about Tyler Algier. Clearly, Tyler Algier last year, a guy from a pure yardage perspective, had a good rushing season. You wonder with them, you know, whether he considers, you know, Algier maybe the guy moving forward. Um, we do know from, you know, Roster Watch had Byron Lambert up at the East-West Shrine game this year. We've talked a lot about how the Falcons had one of the teams, the Patriots had one of the teams. The Falcons were interested in having some of those really big running backs and some of those big bruisers on their team, which would seem like a kind of position that would be, um, you know, if they brought in another big bruising running back, you'd be like, well, you know, what do they make at Tyler Algier? Seems like, you know, when you talk to Fonno, I'll just – I'll play the audio here. Here's, here's, here's what I asked him. So – let me get it from the very beginning. So, he's shown enough to where he could be a bell cow running back moving forward for you guys. He's a good player. You always need multiple at that position. You, you know, you're never going to, I think, the, having one running back just carry the ball um, all the time, I think that's kind of rare and unique for somebody. You need to have multiple running backs to preserve their career and to take care of them. But, Man, we love Tyler. We love the work that he put in. He's such a smart, versatile player. You know, he's a guy that can not just first and second down, but third down protection. He's smart. He can catch the ball. He can go play special teams on fourth down. And so we love Tyler, but that's another position that we have to always add to. So there was a but, and there was the two words, and we never want to hear special teams. And there was what everybody said all day, which the running thing was, oh, we can never have too many guys in the backfield. Yep. Yeah. So to me, that you know, when I look, when I just I'm looking here, you know, Tyler Al, Tyler Algier, actually, you know, if you look at the early best ball stuff, I mean, Tyler Algier right now has an ADP of 83.2 on 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 underdog. That's ahead of like Miles Sanders. It's ahead of Alvin Kamara. It's ahead of James Cook, who we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, some of the guys like Khalil Herbert, Rashad White, who we'll talk Rashad about here in a White. second. I mean, Rashad, Rashad White, White, you know, that's a big deal coming out of today. I would say that Algier, with them saying, like, look, it can't ever be just – it can't be just one. Look, we know it can't ever be just one right now in the NFL. No, there's not going to be any – any there's very head coach in the league who's, who's going to say, no, no, we're going to pile everything on the damn plate yeah. of this guy and, we, you know, his health be damned. They're, they're going to they're gonna say that. But when you hear the buts – you hear the stuff like uh, the special team stuff. He can play special teams. He could do the things like that. It, it, it makes you begin to wonder. It's like, all right, maybe Ty Tyler Algier, maybe move forward. Maybe maybe we get the same role this year as before. But if they're adding guys, man, that could be, you know, if, if they add guys, like there's a very distinct chance that the players that they add are going to be better than some of the, you know, some of the scrubs that they had running around last year, not named Cordell Patterson. I, so it's to me, it's I, th I think even like he had a thousand yard season. He's got the two hundred twenty five pound frame. We can't forget that he was a fourth round pick, which is exactly what Michael Carter was. And they went and brought in another guy. And as much as you love Taylor Azure, I think you know I was trying to look for my note here. The person who said it was Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean's the one that said it's rare to have a bell cow in the NFL. And that's why. You, all of these, like literally all these coaches and GMs we asked about running backs, they all alluded to this. We're all, we're going to look to bring more people and we're going to look, and this is the year with all the frigents and all the rookies that you can't be shocked that ADP of Tyler Algiers in the eighties. Um, that's, that's just too high at this point. We're not thinking about Michael Carter. You're not thinking about the Michael Carter situation where they went and go bring, bring in Brees Hall. I'm not saying they're going to bring in Brees Hall, but like, 
They might. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but the, but <laughs> well, you not, can't rule well, it out. I don't they, think they well, will. But. Well, they won't bring in Brees. Well, yeah, because but, because he's a New York Jet and he's coming off injury. But 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 like with like with Bean here, like this is what I asked uh, Bean about James Cook, just as maybe a kind of, like like you said, like yeah. you just hear from his mouth. Singletary said to be free. Like regardless what happens with him, what did you guys see out of James Cook this year? Is he a guy who might be able to take a step forward next year as far as his role? Yeah, I thought James really is the year went on and got more touches, more involved, and we got a feel for his game and how he would how he would fit. Uh, really thought he did a great job, and and you saw his his touches continue to increase as we gain more confidence in him, and as he gained confidence in in the pro style, you know, versus college. So love James. Look forward to what he's going to bring in year two. Did you feel like he's big enough to be able to hold up to the like uh, you know 15, 15, 16 touches a game? Yeah, I mean, we think again, it's it's touches. So whether it's passing it to him, handing it to him, we feel that he can he can definitely handle a higher workload. You know, whatever whatever he's asked to do, he'll he'll be prepared. So, I mean, I followed up. I'm like, well, does does that mean 15 touches? Because yeah. if we, 15 touches is what I want out of James Cook. Touches in the yeah. in, in in the Bills' offense. I don't care if I don't you know, 17 opportunities, 15 touches. I'm I'm beautiful with. 11 carries, six targets. Yeah. I'm fine, dude. And, and that kind of offense, I'm fine with it. Um, it feels like a little bit more of a good endorsement for that. And it makes sense given the draft capital, right? It, given what they're kind of trying to do. It doesn't, it also, it sure doesn't feel like they're bringing back Devin Singletary. Everybody on that beat was acting like the yeah. Devin Singletary was already gone. Brandon Bean had to go, go out of the way and say, like, well, you know, if we bring back Devin, we're, you know, whatever. He but did, That's the thing is he went out of – that's what the note I had was he went out of his way to bring up Devin Singletary. I did ask him if he was going to look to bring somebody else in because they've done it each of the last three, four years. And he's that's when he said it's rare to have a bell cow. And then he obviously brought up Devin Singletary and that. But I think that's just a natural thing. I don't – he also mentioned Naheem Hines. He said we have Naheem Hines and and and, and James Cook under contract. But they, he had mentioned Naheem Hines. So they can get out of that Naheem Hines thing, yeah, though. Yeah, maybe they don't want to. Maybe, maybe that's – you know, maybe that's the guy that like, he minds is. You remember he had the two big kick returns, and he's a pass catching back, and that's like maybe that's a good dynamic. And then you just bring in a bigger set guy that was supposed to be Zach but, Moss. But fucking James James Cook's a pass catching back. But, but that's exactly what he said. You can never have what all these fuckers say. You can never have too many backs. And it's like you need to have three guys. You need to have four guys. So if you have those two who are elite pass catchers, elite route runners, and then you bring in a big hog molly like a fucking Zach Charbonnet or some bullshit. Then I think you're gonna be, I think you're gonna be a, a happy backfield in, in Buffalo. In that other, in that first group, we also had Josh McDaniels. Anything that you sort of took away from that? I, I mean, I, I asked him about Darren Waller. Here, I'll just here. You can hear what I was. Darren Waller back on, back on track. I think Darren, I mean, Darren fought through a lot of injuries and, and those types of things last year, but I have a great deal of confidence in Darren Waller. I thought he ended the season the right way, really playing well. Um, still. You know, fast, explosive, great teammate, very smart. Um, he'll be a big part of what we're going to do going forward. And he was supposed to be a big part of what they were going to do going forward the minute that he got there. Well, all anybody talked about was, holy cow, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be the next the next great tight end and the Josh McDaniels sort of Patriots yeah. system. I think it kind of lends a little bit of credibility there that he's like, dude, he was, he was more banged up than people, you know, more a little bit, bit more banged up that people would have known, and he was happy with what he did sort of down the stretch last season. Um, Darren Waller's a guy who – I mean, where is Darren Waller's best ball ADP right now? Seventh round, I think. 
it is, let's see. So if, let me just, so right now, Darren Waller is going seventh round. Oh my God. Darren Waller is going, going after Evan Ingram where we don't even know he's going to be next season. Darren Waller is going, I mean, he's going, no, he's, he's going, his, his, his ADP is, his ADP is 93.4. So that's more like eight, what, eight times 12 is 96. That's like, that's the mid eighth. Darren Waller's going mid eighth. Risk free. <laughs> I mean, that's so, called risk free right there. Especially when, I mean, when like, I don't know the, the whole Rogers conversation, you can get all into that. But like, if, if there's one place I think he goes, that's the place he's going to go. I mean, and that's going to elevate everything in that office. They, they still, they still really like him. They talk about what a teammate he is, what a leader he is, all this stuff. And uh, Cody, it's more, goes to more of like a, what is it, a more of a macro thing or more of a micro thing? I always get those mixed up. Whatever it is, more of like an overarching thing that has come out of this whole this whole thing with Jalen Hurts actually turning out to be really good yeah. and being a really good, really good quarterback is, is that these teams are like, man, we, we need to start looking more at the person and the kind of leader he is in the locker room and, 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 and the way that he studies and, and, the, and the type of player he's, he's, he's going to, he's going to be for us, not only on the field, but off the field, stuff like that. Right. This, this has been an important part of what people have been really, I think that the whole Jalen Hurts thing really opened this up that Jalen Hurts, elevated to the level that he could because people say, you know, it wasn't necessarily because he did have the good skill set coming out, right? He, he, he did have the good tools coming out, but people should have paid more attention to how smart he was, to um, how galvanizing he was to his teammates, all the rest of it. It feels like right now in the ethos of the league is something that everyone kind of cares about, right? And so I just – I think with, with, with Darren Waller, he's like – for dynasty, I don't know. Like he's he's old, you know. He's getting older. He's still up there. But I do. If, if you can get a discounted tight end premium right now on Darren Waller, I mean, this stuff. Darren Waller is going at about the same time as David Njoku, Dalton. You know, I mean, he's going he's going about a, a round ahead of Dalton Schultz. Where we don't even know where he's going to end up. You know, this to me, it's like you know, you know, as far as that first kind of line of coaches there. I think maybe the biggest takeaway, you know, the biggest takeaway is is that Tyler Algier shouldn't be going ahead of James Cook, 100%. and and the second is that Darren Waller is, I mean, he's just being completely slept on eighth, eighth round. I think that the 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 Waller thing's gonna gonna figure itself out. I think once the Rogers thing does, because I think if if Rogers obviously goes there and Waller stays there, it's gonna go up. If Waller leaves and gets out from underneath Devontae Adams. And that weird situation where you don't know who the quarterback is, and he goes anywhere. So if he say he's the return trade, he goes back to Green Bay. Does Waller become the number one there? I think he's the number one talented receiver in Green Bay if he goes to Green Bay. So it's like multitude of things I think can elevate him. Um, but the bottom line is, yeah, he's 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 a he's a free free piece, a free tight end right now in the eighth round on underdog, especially staying in the AFC West. Um, I, I made sure to uh, push Broncos GM George Payton about Javante Williams because nobody else was going to do it. You know, he was giving platitudes about this. I want to know exactly, like, is he going to be ready to start the, you know, is he going to be ready to start the season? He didn't want to answer. You can just hear it. Do you think the update on Javante Williams, do you think he's going to be ready to start the year? You know, I think he's on track. You know, I don't want to put a date on it, but uh, he's out there jogging. He's he's working, you know, his butt off. He's rehabbing. And, um, you know, Javante, they anticipate he, he would be ready for the start of the season. Is there a plan in place in case he's not ready to go the first? Yeah, we'll have another. We'll have a plan. We'll have another back or two uh, to be ready if he can't go. Are those guys on the roster right now? Or yeah, they may be. You know, but we're always looking. I, I know it's a deep free agent class. It's all. It's a deep draft class for running backs. So we're always going to look to upgrade. 
So they're always going to look to upgrade on the plan B yeah. behind Javante. But there have been the dubious reports that have been coming out lately about how it was multiple ligaments that were torn. It was one of these situations where, like J.K. Dobbins was last year, where it took a little bit longer than everybody expected. And even guys that we trust, man, we saw our friend Benjamin Albright today who covers the Broncos, I think, better than – really better than anybody else. Um, he lives in the same apartment complex as a lot of these dudes. Like, I, I think that um, I, I, I – you know, I wanted to push him and say, is the expectation he's going to be back for week one? And that was the headline that came out, right, the headline that you saw everywhere. Um, I'm not sure I trust it. Yeah. Do you? No. Um, I, I it was not an overarching positive note. Um, Douglas was also one talking about running backs with ACL. He brought up Brace, but he also brought up A V team. He also brought up Becton. Wasn't the most glowing. He said they're on track and they're going good, but both both Patton and Douglas both weren't like, oh yeah, he's 100 percent he's ready to go. And you had to like push them to get the answer out of them. Um he also, when you brought up um Javante brought up the backfield uh, earlier on. I think he brought up Chase Edmonds being under contract, which was interesting because he was kind of a guy, guy. that like, was Hines, thought of as like Naheem Hines and Chase Edmonds need to get the hell out off the off the roster to save some money. Like, okay, but but uh, they were thought of as to be cap casualties. But both, but what I'm saying is we have to like take a step back. We have to realize like we didn't ask about these motherfuckers. Brandon Bean brought up Naheem Hines. George Payton brought up Chase Edmonds. They wouldn't have brought these guys up. We, we've seen years past, right? They didn't ever brought up Darrington Evans in Tennessee. We brought Darrington Evans. Well, they Evans hate Darrington Evans. But that's just what I'm saying. Like, if, if they gave, if they didn't give a shit about the Heimheiser or Chase Edmonds, they would have just swept them under the rug. I mean, I, okay, I get it. Well, let's just, let's, let's listen. To, I, th- this was what Joe Douglas told me about Brees Hall. Give me updates on Brees Hall and where he is on in, in his recovery. Should he be good to go to start the next season? Yeah, Brees is doing great in his recovery. Uh, I know he had a, uh, a visit to, uh, with Dr. Cooper in Dallas, and uh, he's progressing great. So, um, really, Brees, ABT, Makai, they're all doing great in their recovery, and um, you know, we feel good about their their return. Do you, do you, do you expect? Do you, do you expect him to be ready to start the 2023 season? You know, right now, the, the, the plan is for him to be ready for the, for the start of the season. Yeah. So right now, the plan is for him to be ready for the start of the season. That's not very – Not very positive. Well, it's just – I mean, it's 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 noncommittal. It's one of those things where, like, usually you hear a coach say something and it's like, well, well he said it. It's coach speak. But it's like we had to push him to get that out of him, and it's just like, a, uh, okay, he said it. Yeah. expect. It's six, fucking six months away. Like, Yeah. Expects it though, and Brees Hall is really good, really good at football. Yeah. Um, my my question is, and you know, people got at us on Twitter when we said like, "Hey, we just asked Joe Douglas. He said Brees Hall, he expects Brees Hall to be ready." And people are saying like, "Oh, you guys are falling for the same." Well, here's the thing: we're not falling for any trap. We're just we're trying to get out get out here and get the answers for everybody in the community. Um, we're not falling for any traps. We're just reporting what they're saying. I mean, there's 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 some merit to doing this and. You know what we're doing now is we're trying to get back here to the to the you know what studio and and you know try and try and sort through it. Um, I, I'm I'm not saying I 100% believe it. I think I might believe it a little bit more with Brees Hall. Yeah. For some reason with Javante Williams, just 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 because of everything being so dubious. But there is you know there is what I mean. I agree with some of these commenters on Twitter saying like. 
how, how many times are you guys going to fall for this with a guy coming off the like a knee ligament tear in the first year? Like it could be a wasted, you know, it could be a wasted first six weeks of the season and then a little bit of an acclimation process after that. And by the time, you know, you're, you know, you're three and four and you got to trade this guy off of your roster and the winning team picks him up and uses him for the stretch run. All the next thing you know, is like, peace out. I'll see you next season. So um, I'm not sure how much, like where, where's, where's Brees' ADP right now? If, if you're listening along right now on YouTube or anything like that, uh, drop a comment in there. We want to see who, who are you more worried about? Javante Williams with the Broncos coming off his knee injury or Brees Hall coming off his knee injury with the Jets. And uh, if you're also on Twitter or on the YouTube, go down to the description. You can see uh, Roster Watch at Roster Watch on Twitter, Carpentier NFL at Carpentier NFL on Twitter. You can follow us along. We're going to be here all week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday doing interviews and on-field stuff and, and kind of getting you guys the questions and the answers from all the prospects and GMs. So make sure you click that like, click that subscribe. We'll be back multiple times this week to talk about this. But also, like I said, stay tapped in on Twitter at Ross for watching at Carpentier NFL. Brees Hall, Hall is going five spots ahead of Travis Etienne. Yeah. Well, to me, that seems stupid. Both of both, But look where both those guys are, right? Brees is 25th overall. And there's still question marks. Where's Javante at on that list? Javante on the list. He's not even on it. I mean, is he down here below? He's down 72. 72. So I mean, geez, for the for the ADP price, I would 25 take 25 to 72. I'm just now I'm just I'm just now beginning to sort through this. I can't believe it. I was just I was thinking my brain is scrambled. Before you took that, I was thinking obviously that we would trust. Brees more, but no at that man. tag at that price tag. I mean, it's it's tough to say you know two twelve three hundred one that you Dude, take Brees Hall. Our best ball, our best ball cheat sheet at Roster Watch always goes up at the, this juncture. It always goes up right after the combine, and I was just telling you, man, this is like the way that these ADPs are shaking out to start in these early underdog contests are cockamamie, man. This is really really weird. The people are the people who are drafting right now are complete. Complete psychos and sociopaths. Um, can we, before you move on past the Jets, can we just talk about the fact that uh, Joe Douglas was asked about Zach Wilson? It wasn't a direct Aaron Rodgers question. It was, uh, what's the expectation for J Zach Wilson? And he said, uh, Zach has a very high ceiling, and we still think that. Well, he has, he, he has to say that, right? But I mean, they're openly looking for a court. They're openly looking for Derek Carr. They're openly looking for Rodgers. It's it just was it wasn't the quote I was expecting to take from Joe Douglas was that we still think he has a high ceiling. What are you gonna say? I mean, what's what are you gonna say? Like, we're oh, gonna bring we in don't, competition. We we're gonna bring in a veteran comp competitor. So we, we don't we, him. we don't we don't like him. All of his teammates think he's a little punk, <laughs> and he ends, ends up goes around creeping on his mom's friends. Like he's, I mean, what what's he, what's he gonna say? Um. Okay, so in that in that same um, in that same block, we had Matt Eberflus from the Bears. I I thought the most important thing to ask him about would be Khalil Herbert yeah. with David Montgomery set to be free. Um, Khalil Herbert in the times over the last two years that he wow. has filled in for David Montgomery or David Montgomery has left games early. Khalil Herbert's been better than David Montgomery has been on average. Uh, he's averages um, what nineteen point five attempts per game, two point two targets per game and uh, 16 PPR points per game in games where David Montgomery doesn't play. So he's been good, 
I'm not sure what this quote from Eberflus says. Khalil Herbert's been really good whenever Dave Montgomery hadn't been available. Yeah. I know Montgomery said to be free. What do you guys, regardless of Montgomery, what do you guys think about Khalil Herbert? Is he a guy that would be care, capable of carrying the load? Yeah, Herbert's had a really good year for us, and he's had a couple you know, productive years. Um, for us here at the Bears, and uh, he's uh, he's an exciting player to watch. You know, he can hit the home run. Um, that's what's exciting about him. And, uh, you know, he's cool. got stuff he's got to work on, too, you know, being more of a viable option out of the backfield and all those things that we all talk about. But uh, he's an exciting player to watch. Being a more viable option out of the backfield, those things we all talk about. So I guess they all – I don't talk about that. They're talking about. I guess they talk. <laughs> Are you talking about? They're it? talking about. It. Yeah, I mean, like their- I said, only two point two targets per game in those games that David Montgomery missed. So maybe what they're looking for for him is, uh, you know, sounds like there's some expectation there. And you know, as we talked about this on Twitter, some of the comments that we got over at Roster Watch um, from you know people who were engaging with us over there certainly always happy to hear them. At least from at least from most of you. Some of you were never happy to hear from. All, all, all of you, all of you, miserable psychos out there, but um, you know, a bunch of Bears fans were saying like, "No, I mean, it's also the pass protection." So uh, it's probably, just, I guess, something to keep an eye on there. With that being said, man, twenty-three receptions in thirty games. Khalil Herbert, right now, his ADP is after Brian Robinson. It's, uh, it's, but it is ahead of Rashad White. I think, I think both those guys right there, both Rashad and Khalil. Need to be moved up. Yeah. I mean, from what? Khalil Herbert, 102.6, 104.4 for Rashad White. What we're talking, ninth ninth round there for those yeah. guys? That's not going to be like that. If David Montgomery's gone by the time we get – and if Khalil Herbert dodges all the bullets with you know, free agency, right? By the time we get to the meat of best ball time – Is it RB 32 and 33? Is that what yeah, that says? 32 and 33. By the time we get to the meat of the best ball time, Khalil, people don't know who Khalil Herbert is, so he's not going to get pushed up into like third-round consideration. But he will get pushed up into that Damian Pierce-like consideration yes. from last year where like, the cool kids in the know start getting him up into the fifth round. Yep. Maybe the super hipster kids start getting him up, up into the fourth round. Um, so I, I think right now he probably represents a good value and – just with the cheat sheet, what I'm going to do is just kind of stay ahead of it, stay ahead of ADP with him, make sure to get some exposure to him right now just in case things hit the, the right way. Because even if we get it up to, you know, seventh, you know, seventh round, something like that, what, do you, what, what are you missing out on? What is, your, what is your opportunity cost? As you start looking at guys sort of in that range, you're missing out on Tyler Algier. You're missing out on Tyler Algier, who, who we've already discussed. To, to maybe take one of these guys. That's even if you push the ADP that far and you break ADP that far, which we don't necessarily always like to do there on the cheat sheets. Um, who, who else do we have in that same block, Cody? Um, I, Brett Veach. Brett, Brett Veach was one where I, I really wanted to just, you know, be that guy and ask him about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but I think the writing was on the wall, so I didn't ask him if the writing was on the wall about about Clyde. But he was asked, um, you know, the last two drafts you took McCole Hardman ahead of DK Metcalf, you took Sky Moore uh, after George Pickens, you you traded down and you got Sky Moore and Pickens went and and the question was. Are those little guys, those little shifty guys, is that kind of what you're targeting in these drafts? Why not go after the bigger body types, the bigger bruisers and the pickings and the Metcalfs? And what Brett, what Brett Veach essentially said was that it wasn't about the big rebounders, the big bruising alpha running, alpha wide receiver types. It was more so about the cultural fits. 
Um, the, the one, the big th one thing he said was medicals. Medicals went into it a lot, and he can, he didn't say like. Oh, so they want cultural fits, and they want medicals, and so they bring in Kadarius Tony. So yes, yeah, so, <laughs> but that's the thing is it was really weird because like they talked about the shiftiness, and like everyone always looks at us and they're like, oh, we, they want these shifty, speedy guys, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you went Tyreek, you went Hardman, you went Tony, you went Sky, like shifty, quick guys. But he said that that wasn't actually like the 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 goal. The goal was more so just to find good teammates, cultural fits. Uh, athletic players with good medicals. And obviously, if you remember the medicals for DK, that's kind of what pushed him down in the late 60s was kind of like a and college. The, and, and, then, the, and the three cone. And then the three right. cone. And then Pickens obviously had the knee injury that pushed him down a little bit. Otherwise, sure. he would have been the top thing. But that was kind of his – I thought that was very interesting that he brought up because he was defending himself uh, essentially, right, because yes. of his draft picks. And uh, it, it's just cool to hear the behind-the-scenes kind of angle he took towards that. Yes, it was wrong, I think, in both instances. Imagine that fucking offense with Metcalf and Pickens right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. That, that was, that was you know what, man? If, 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 they, if, if, if they had Metcalf and Pickens, they might be Super Bowl champs. They might. They might win <laughs> Maybe. the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, here, speaking, of the, speaking of the Super Bowl champion uh, – Kansas City Chiefs. Here's what Andy Reid, the head coach, had to say when I asked about expectations next year for Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. What are the expectations coming into year two for Sky Moore? And do you, do you anticipate him and Kadarius Tony maybe being bigger parts of the offense? We know that Sky Moore had a really big role on special teams. Yeah, yeah, I think both of them, uh, Sky and KT, will. Um, We'll, we'll probably have bigger roles, uh, you know, um, as they, they come in, they'll be more familiar with the offense mainly. And um, and so you can utilize them in different ways. Both of them are very talented, uh, really like their attitude towards the game. And, um, you know, we'll just see we'll see how that goes uh, once we get to camp and, and the OTAs. I fucking love Andy Reid, dude. I, well, he's just, down there in the Super Bowl the whole week. It was like just fucking – Button up shirt, non nonchalant. Yeah, the whole week he's awesome. Yeah, man, and he's always he's always like breathing like he's in that, he's halfway through a cheeseburger. He's <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, <sighs> take a, take a break from this thing. Uh, I'm halfway it. done with this question, let me take a breath. Dude, so news new, news dropped while we were there at the combine. Like before we even got to uh, or after we got to address um, the Bucks guys, yep. Jason liked. Yep. Todd Bowles about Leonard Fournette. Looks like Leonard Fournette's gone. Um, I did ask about Leonard Fournette and about Keyshawn Vaughn simply because, man, whenever, whenever, whenever there was another reporter that asked about the running back position and said, like, look, what, like, what, how important is it when you're going to have a new quarterback? whether that's going to be Kyle Trask or somebody else who you bring in or whatever else, and you're sort of transitioning to this thing where you've lost the greatest quarterback of all time. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have a running game that that kind of maybe younger player or newer player in a new offensive system? What's the name of the coordinator, the guy, uh, the, the guy they brought in from Seattle? Dave Canales. Yeah, Canales. Like that um, the Canales is bringing in there. Like how important is it to have that solid running game to lean on? And the first thing he talked about was Rashad White. And so he didn't mention anybody else, never said anything else. Cody's taking his victory lap because last time, last time we were here talking, I thought it was crazy to have Rashad White as a top 12 running back in the dynasty. I'm still not quite on board with top 12 once I look at them. But it goes to show, man, 
these player profiler guys were on to something just being way, 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 way ahead of the curve. Um, because here's what Jason Light had to say about Keyshawn Vaughn. And based on the fact that he gave a little bit of lip service to Leonard Fournette here, I'm not sure that this lip service to Keyshawn Vaughn means much. Where's Leonard Fournette just physically in his like, career arc? And as the ship sailed now on Keyshawn Vaughn, you, you, you mentioned Rashad White earlier, but I, I'm kind of wondering about those two. No, I like Keyshawn. I uh, think he hasn't really had a fair uh, opportunity to show what he can do, what we know that he can do for practice. Um, I think Leonard Fournette still has uh, several years left in, in him as a, a you know, three-down back. So that's a lie, because if he thought he had several years left as a three-down back, he wouldn't have straight-up released him. But remember, the tweet that did come out later was there was a report that he asked to be released. So it is a weird stance by him, if that's true, to ask to be released. But the expectation would be that he he trusts himself, he trusts that there's a location for him, because like like we've talked about many times now on streams and, 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 and just – bullshitting is it's running back classes deep free agent classes deep why would you want to openly go into that if you're yeah. already in a roster um but yeah i mean it is very interesting that especially him saying that quite literally 20 minutes before fournette is officially released um yeah or before they said that they're gonna you know officially officially release him yeah um you know and I'll, i will just say too you know i asked Trent Balky last year, whether the ship had sailed on LaVisca Chenault, he's, he was tilted. He said, the ship is – where would you get that idea? By like, no where, means. By no means has the ship sailed on LaVisca. It's like we're excited about what LaVisca should bring, like all this stuff. What, like, of course. What happened 14 days later? Yes. I mean, what was – did he get traded or like, or was that when rumors started coming four, out four, that they're shopping? 14 days later, rumors started tripping, and then uh, yeah. July he was traded or August he was traded. So, I mean, I don't know about your Keyshawn Vaughn stuff in Dynasty. <laughs> What do you what do you think about their Keyshawn Vaughn stuff and what do you think about my Keyshawn Vaughn stuff at Dynasty? Dead. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's dead. It's, it's, it's dead. I mean, it's like it's it's like dead. Yeah, man. It's, it's hanging by a string. It's what happens? It's what happens. I mean, it was it started out day one when he got when he, when he didn't get to Tampa because he didn't go to Tampa. Remember that first that first mini camp where it was a, a voluntary Tom Brady workout. He didn't go. I mean, that yeah. starts, that's that's off field character. That's non opposite. That's fucking dog water mentality. That's what that is, and that's not showing up. And that's just a part of the process. That you know, we'll get better at it as we go. Yeah, man. Um, I'm not sure I need to play the clip of what, about what uh, Doug Peterson said about Calvin Ridley. It's, it doesn't really, you know, it's, uh, it was very interesting though. The I mean, you could probably just repeat it, but it was yeah. very interesting that that that. As the open, as the open media, as you know, people on Twitter, as fantasy football community, the expectation was, well, season's over, Calvin's ready. Yeah, right. It's like I was just like, so how, what does Calvin Ridley do to the offense? Um, and he's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, well, he's he hadn't been cleared by the NFL. I was like, he hadn't been cleared. Well, I'm like, well, when's he gonna get cleared? I don't know. And I'm like, well, you've seen him play, right? Like, he's like, well, yeah, if you're staying, like, if you're asking me if I've seen him play, like, yeah, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Uh, he does, you know, he does this. He brings a dynamic offense. He brings a dynamic to the offense that we don't have, a deep ball threat, you know, yeah. a, a deep striker, all of this. But, you know, we're, we don't know what to we're, – we're excited to get him. We were welcoming with open arms. And I said, well, Coach, what is the, what is the expectation? Like, what, like, internally, what are you guys hearing from the NFL? Like, what do we know about him being cleared? And he's like, honestly, we have no idea. 
And so to me, I think this situation is probably going to work itself out. Maybe I, has that been picked up anywhere yet? No, I haven't seen anybody else take our, take our questions and pick that one up. I'm surprised that nobody's t- like, why isn't anybody looking into this? Like, what, what is the rule? I thought it was suspended for the season. And now they got to wait till, I mean, they, what they start, they start, they were talking about, they can start getting together for some kind of workouts. And was yeah. it, they voluntary. can get together for some kind of voluntary stuff even before the, without even, coaches. yeah, without coaches, even before the draft. And then, um, you know, that, I mean, that's not that close, but it's kind of coming up. You kind of like to have it in your plans if you if you're Trevor Lawrence and you're starting you like to, get, to have your wide receiver. Yeah, one. dude, you start you like you want to get these guys around, get them together. If he's not cleared, I'm not sure that that's cool with the NFL. So I think that's a storyline to kind of keep in mind. It's something that I certainly hadn't hadn't really thought of. Um, what um, when you talk about what were we talking about? Jaguars. Um, no, I was going to move right to the Browns. Was where I was going to go with it. But yeah, because Andrew Barry was in that same block. Andrew Barry was in that same block, and he's a he's a very smart uh, general manager. I would say. I'm always surprised at how little he is. Yeah, yeah. We saw him, and he he melted right into the crowd. I remember last year at the Senior Bowl, he just kind of he he, sat he on the looks like a normal dude, and just was like over there, just sitting there. And I was like, he looks like a dude that should be that? covering the team, right? That's I'm what, always yeah. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You see him on TV, and you're just like you don't you don't you don't figure it, but not but as but he's as as you as, as as you noted, not as short as John Schneider, not as short, but as certainly just kind of a skinny, normal looking dude, man, for sure. And Schneider, Schneider's a uh, Schneider's a Schneider's a little elf, I guess, in his own words. But uh, I did ask for those of you that 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 care about wide receivers and dynasty and and second year sophomore guys, I did ask about David Bell. And I uh, finally got the question in to ask him what the expectation is for David Bell in year two. Here it is. What's the expectation for David Bell in year number two? Yeah, I think for all of our young players, we'd like to see them, um, you know, continue to make steps forward. I think David, yeah, as a, as a rookie player, um, you know, really did a nice job just in terms of his reliability. Whether that's mentally, we were able to put him in a number of of, of different spots throughout the year. And really, you know, his biggest strength physically is, um, you know, really his hands, catching the ball, catching um, in his frame, outside of the frame. Um, You know, we'd like to have him uh, take a step in year two in terms of, um, you know, taking advantage of, taking further advantage of his targets and getting more familiarity with our offense. But um, we're pleased with him as a rookie. Uh, We'd like to see all of our young players progress. So a whole lot of nothing. That's really what that was. was He's he's talking about his reliability. I just want to look and just – I was just looking at his game logs. I mean, but the, the problem is, is that later on in the year, that the opportunity was there. He had opportunity from like week ten on, and he really didn't take. He never had more than four receptions in a game. He did have the game yeah. at Buffalo, four receptions. The game at Tampa Bay at four receptions. But then, other than that, yeah, I mean, he, dude, it looks like it looks to me like David Bell played in almost. He missed one game. Yeah. Um. Then it. He missed. No, he missed two games. Look at the quarterback play he had too, though he didn't get yeah. the, he didn't get Watson until week eleven or week thirteen. Well, I mean, he, he probably yeah. would have been like everybody else and played better with Brissett than Watson anyway. But I think that as the that my expert, like I got a lot of negative comments on Twitter about asking the David Bell question because I was like, David Bell's fucking terrible. It's like, well, no, he was a rookie and he played with Jacoby Brissett, and then he got Watson dumped on him. It's like maybe you should give him an off season. We saw him; he's still young, twenty two years old, in that Purdue offense where he was so electric. It's like. I think a year off in the offseason, the, the comments weren't 
glowing, but they were like positive. So I think I have positive thoughts. Will I be buying or doing anything like that? Uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of going to hold it because I have quite a bit of him. But that's kind of my – it's probably my Keyshawn Vaughn situation that you're sitting in right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, do you want to trade me David Bell for Keyshawn Vaughn? I'll take David I'll take Keyshawn, you I'll, asshole. All right. Uh, speaking <laughs> of guys I'm holding in Dynasty, uh, this is what I asked Andrew Barry about Jerome Ford because we do know that with Jerome Ford there on the roster, Nick Chubb set to still be on the roster, but Dearness Johnson – is up. He's set to be free. Kareem Hunt, of course, is up and set to be free. They are not going to be paying to bring Kareem Hunt back. I feel like he's one of the sort of elevated options on the free agent market. So I was wondering, where does Jerome Ford fit in? What have they seen out of him? The running back spot, does it make you feel better to have a guy, speaking of the senior bowl, um, does it make you feel better to have a guy like Jerome Ford there with Kareem Hunt, I guess, is, uh, is set to be free. Demers Johnson, what have you seen out of him? And do you think he's a guy that eventually could play a role? Uh, Jerome, um, Jerome, we thought uh, did a nice job for us his rookie year. His, you know, his main contributions were really within the kicking game and carved out a nice role as a uh, as a as a really strong kick returner for us. Um, one of the things that drew us to Jerome throughout last year's draft process, you know, is his ability in the passing game, um, and he'll certainly have opportunities going into a uh, going to his second year to um, you know potentially showcase those skills on a more extended level. So, so what that means to me is they love him in the receiving game. They think he's dynamic with the ball in his hands as a kick returner. That means to me he can take up the Kareem, he can take up the Kareem Hunt role immediately. He does not have to be redundant to Nick Chubb. And if Nick Chubb gets hurt, it's wheels up for Jerome Ford. If they don't go out and do something else, they don't bring back Dearness, they don't bring back um, they don't bring back Kareem, they don't bring back Dearness. I don't – I've told you before, I don't think they're going to bring back Dearness Johnson after, um, after he, he fired his old agent, signed with Drew Rosenhaus last year, got the, got the one-year deal with the Browns. Rosenhaus apparently thinks that he can go so, – I, I think it's the dumbest thing now looking for – Dearness Johnson is not going to be a big yeah. name on, in this market. There was a minute there where people looked at Dearness and thought that, you know, with the, whenever he got opportunities, whenever both those guys were out before – do you remember some of those Dearness Johnson games? Big one. There, Big. there were games where he looked good. I think that some of that shine sort of worn off. I think so. Maybe if they bring him back, um, that would definitely sully things a little bit for Jerome Ford. But dude, right now Jerome Ford's free in yep. Dynasty. Nobody wants him. Certainly nobody wants him to redraft. I, I wouldn't mind taking him in the 18th round of one of these one of these underdog drafts and just you know in in the event that nothing too big happens and there could be a Nick Chubb injury. You know, it, it, it could be wheels up. Sitting. I do think, you know, we talk about Kareem Hunt and Dearness. I don't think either of those, those guys being back. Um, Demetrius Felton is on contract, but he's more of a wide receiver type. Oh, I was yeah. trying to think of, like, will they go receiver type? Will they go uh, a big bully type running back? But they talk about what Jerome can do in the in the passing game. He had 30 kick returns last year, eight carries, no receptions okay so if they expect him to have a little bit of work in the passing game be the cream hunt be the number two they still need a number three well so the expectation would be then that they would use a later round draft kit draft pick on probably a bigger set guy probably potentially a mohammed ibrahim a chris rodriguez type guy in the sixth seventh round i could see that happening for sure i don't think they spend anything in free agency though um uh, deuce vaughn was one that came to mind right away but then i remembered that Demetri felton was under contract um, but yeah, I, th- I think the, to allude to that is I think that you're looking at those two guys as that two-headed, two-headed situation where they're going to lean on Chubb. I think there's going to be multiple games during the year where you're going to get double-digit carries out of Jerome Ford. 
I don't think he really uh, come up with his next block I, with Joe Shane from the um, from the Giants. I don't think it really. I don't need to play this stuff. I mean, the main thing I wanted to ask him was, you know, while we're all waiting on the Saquon Barkley stuff, do do we need to wait for Daniel Jones? Like, do we need to wait for this to get done? I I kind of figured I was I was like, man, what's the order of operations? Like, how do you guys deal with this? Like, uh, it feels to me like the order of operations is like get the quarterback done, then after that we can talk about running back. That's it. It feels to me like that would be my natural order of operations. He says that's not necessarily how it is. I thought it was interesting that he said that. Daniel Jones is our quarterback yeah. for, for 2023. The reason he can say that is because he does have the franchise tag option open to him. Now, he doesn't want to use the franchise tag. He said if he could, he said, he said, we have offer sheets out to, to Daniel Jones and to Saquon Barkley. Everybody knows that Daniel Jones has recently switched agents. Did he switch from CAA to athletes first or from athletes first to CAA? To CAA. Okay, so now he's with CAA. They're driving a harder bargain. Um, Saquon Barkley is with uh, Kim over at Rock Nation. Um, Shane says she he has a good relationship with her. She drive she drives a hard bargain. Um, they're 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 not quite there. There's a gap they, that that they have to bridge on both of these deals, yeah. but they want them both back. Um, it, it feels to does it. To, and whenever whenever reporters were asking about what they were going to be doing, whenever you asked, you asked about Isaiah Hodges. Maybe you could yep. play that clip. But with, like whenever he was asking, he's like, you know, people always ask about the wide receiver and ask about this, and they're like, man, we have a ton of spots to fill, and like I can't answer these questions for you guys right now from the perspective of the Giants, simply because you know a lot of this money that we have to play with could be gone pretty soon with these two guys. That like they want to get these guys done. They 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 want Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley back. I'm of the opinion now that I think that they're both going to be – well, I know that Daniel Jones – I feel like there was a lot of conviction with, with, with Shane saying that Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback next year. And I just can't see Saquon going elsewhere. You asked him, and he said he was cautiously optimistic, and you asked him the order of operations. He said there's no order of operations for either of these guys. However, he did say, I have no doubt Daniel will be our quarterback in 23 – Without a deal, we will use the tag. It feels like that is their main objective. It's quarterback because he mentioned multiple times in there that we want to build this team around Daniel. That's part of our process. He also mentioned multiple times that having to franchise tag him would hinder their ability to work in the wide receiver room and work in the depth of the defensive yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really yeah, good, yeah, good, and that's, good point. That was one of his big things was that he wanted to do. But so it really he can, seems like – Because he can make the deal. He can take money off the salary cap this year, convert it to signing bonuses later on to where he can open up more money to say, like, look, we, we – don't need to we don't need to care so much about your favorite Isaiah Hodgins or like all the rest of this stuff even though he did seem pretty proud about bringing in Isaiah Hodgins <laughs> he was it was very yeah. happy about bringing in Isaiah Hodgins because he came from Buffalo obviously in season that's kind of like a, a pro scout he, he alluded to his pro scouting team obviously all NFL teams have a pro scouting team that scouts all around the league and that's kind of a positive is that Obviously, he comes from Buffalo. He knows the system. That's why he was able to step in and, and be a, a form of a league winner for us in fantasy. He also alluded to Mark Glowinski, who came over um, from one of their offensive line coaches that, that had had him, I think, in Indianapolis. And he said, you know, that's just a big part of, you know, everyone thinks about the draft. Everyone thinks about free agency. 
not a lot of people think about the in-season cuts, the waiver cuts, the cut-down days when guys get cut that are in a system. And he's, he alluded to the importance of having a guy that was in a system with you, was with a coach somewhere else and, and, and their ability to come over. But I think another thing that he brought up and, and what really resonated with me was the fact that he just kept saying how many holes they had. He's like, we got to fill these holes. And obviously you talk about Barkley and Daniel Jones – the Daniel Jones thing feels like it's 100%. He's, if, you know, if they had to put a tag on one guy, it would be Daniel Jones. And if they had to let one guy test the market, I think it would be Saquon, obviously, because they would just want to say, hey, we'll go figure out what the hell the dollar is and come back and we'll, we'll talk about it. But I did ask him about Isaiah Hodgins. The way I formatted it was I said, you know, was Isaiah Hodgins uh, come up this year really would enable you to cut Kenny Galladay because that was a note this morning that, they got cut before uh, Schoen ever did make it onto the stage. So that was a very uh, expected thing. Um, the other positions I want to hit on, very boring positions I want to hit on, is that he did mention they have 14 offensive linemen under contract, but that the center and left guard positions are healthy competitions that they'd like to grow on. And he was also asked, how do you feel about the interior defensive line depth? Of course, they have Leonard Williams and uh, – Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence, one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league right now, as well as Kayvon. And but he's saying those contract talks are hard because of the difference between the top guy and all the rest. Yeah, but he was asked about the depth was what I was getting at, was right. the interior D-line depth. He said, how do you feel about the interior D-line depth? And he goes, not great. Yeah, not you know, great. And, and, and also, shout out to Tim Murphy in the chat. He was saying that it was actually CAA to athletes first. That, that was originally what I thought because – you know, going go, going to for Daniel Jones because going to athletes first makes sense because athletes first got Deshaun Watson got Deshaun Watson yes. his deal so um yeah so like, I'm about to go with that money, money. yeah they're gonna be you know and we got all the reports coming out about you know he's seek, he's seeking forty five million dollars per season all this stuff like that I and I I'm, it feels like they're probably a little bit off there there other quarterbacks that we'll get to here that, you know, people are talk about way Carthen? off on. Want to talk about Carthen? Yeah, yeah he was sure. pretty. He was pretty straight shooter. I know uh, we're at the 48-minute mark. You want to click that like, click that subscribe, stay tapped in on, on Twitter at Ross for watching at Carpenter NFL. Um, but talk about Rand Carthen here with the Tennessee Titans. Hey, hey man, that's a, that's, a, that's a straight shooter with a, a upper management written all over him. <laughs> right? Carthen? Yeah. Oh, Carthen is a is a I love Carthen. Yeah, I'm just I'm that, telling you, man. Straight, was, straight shooter. He's he was he, he talks to the media. He's like, you guys just need to understand that like what what do you say about Tannehill? He goes, he goes, you guys just need to understand that he's he's under contract for next year. Like he for what like he's 18, a Tennessee eight, Titan. 18 point eight million. If we cut him, we save eight hundred thousand. It's like, I mean, what like He's a Tennessee so, Titan. 18 million is a fucking good number. Think about these numbers they're talking about right now. 50, 45 for, for Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're getting 18 for, for Ryan Tannehill. But, I mean, Tannehill can win you football game. Tannehill can get you to the divisional round and, and potentially to the championship round. So, it was interesting. He did say, you know, he's like, you guys got to deal. He literally paused. He stopped everybody. He just kind of said, you know what? You guys got to listen. He's a Tennessee Titan. He's going to be a Tennessee Titan. He's under contract. That's the way it is. Yeah, and, and we talked to a couple people there that plugged in with the Titans and some people that go to practices all the time. It's Malik Willis last year, they were saying it was on, like he was never ready to play. And it was sort of unfair for from their perspective that people would have expected him to be that much better than he really was. We kind of looked at Malik Willis and we were just – we're like, oh, you know, we're like, oh man, th this guy looks 
really, really bad compared to, you know, what our initial expectations were because we saw, you know, it's like the, it's like the whole NFL scouting adage and the, the stuff that, you know, we get out here and we do this stuff. We go to the senior bowl, we go to the pro days, we go to the workouts, like, because we want to, we want to be able to see these guys. We want to network with the people who are around them. But most importantly, we want to see their attributes, their abilities, their traits. And if we can see it once, right? It's the old like if you can do it once, you can you you can do it, right? That's what Michael Lombardi always says. That like Bill Walsh and all these other great coaches used to say. These great evaluators, if they can do it once, they can do it. And at the Senior Bowl, with some of these throws with Malik Willis, we saw him do it. Not a lot. But, but we it. saw it do. We 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 saw him do it. It wasn't frequent. Like if he could put it together along with the running skills, maybe someday this could happen. That someday was not twenty twenty two. Yeah, um, there was flashes everywhere. With, that, that one Thursday night game, he had many flashes. Yeah, he was five for eighteen, but with there that, was five money money throws that were like you said. With you could do it once. With that being said. With that being said, it doesn't feel like anybody on that beat or people close to the team that we were speaking to thinks he's going to be ex- exactly, you know, ride his reign and ready to go. You know, th- there's yeah. not much faith he's going to be ready to go in 2023. So um, it doesn't need to be right. If, if they trust that Tannehill's the guy and they're going to roll out Tannehill, they could, you know, it could be November before T- Willis gets another chance. And it, that's uh, that's a calendar year, you know. It could be a whole lot. It could, it could be a big boon if they can get Traylon Burks. Here, here's what uh, I asked Rand Carthen about Traylon. Is next year, is it a priority that Traylon Burks just has to get a lot more involved in offense? Well, Traylon's just got to be like everybody else. He's got to continue to evolve and develop, and that'll come. You know, this is he was a rookie, you know, that came in, uh, you know, kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start, but started to catch fire at the end. And so we just got to build on how he how he ended. And Traylon's another guy that's been in the building, has been doing a ton of work, and he's showing that he's committed to the process. So as long as he does that and he does his part, then he'll be a part of the uh, process moving forward. So it, to, to, to me, two things I just thought of right there. He said he was just a rookie. The first thing I thought of, yeah, he's a rookie that you trade that you traded away. Admittedly, a, gonna, what was going to be a sticky contract situation for, with A.J. Brown, but you traded away A.J. Brown for this rookie, for one. For two – Carthen says he caught fire towards the end of the last year. There was things that he liked about it. For three, the fact that he's in the building, he's working hard, he's yep. showing motivation, all that stuff. What did we hear all last offseason about Traylon Burks? He's got asthma. He can't show up. He can't breathe. He's literally – there was a report he couldn't breathe. Blame you know? Robinson. What, what is Traylon Burks' ADP? Not high enough. I mean, what is Traylon Burks' ADP right now? Do I still have this pulled up? He's like he's so he's dude. He is so far down that it's going to be hard to even scroll. Here, let me just search. Keep it. going, keep going, keep Traylon going. Burks. No, ADP is seventy five point nine. I don't mind that. That's like that's probably a little high to be honest. That's with actually kind of high. Kind of high. <laughs> I was going to say we need all the Traylon Burks. He's going to twelfth round. He's not seventy five point nine. I think. What that goes to show is that maybe some of this optim it makes sense, right? So many dynasty people play best ball. Yeah. Some people playing best ball right now or into the NFL, like they're baking in the fact that there's gotta be a year or two bounce back out yeah. of this guy. But I I, I do feel good that there is gonna be one. One of the one of the dynamic rookies from last season. Man, the only the only other things that I really have, uh Cody, I, I know that we talked to oh, I wanted to get this out because I thought this was interesting. So I asked John Lynch about Christian McCaffrey and about during the course of a season, 
whether or not you have to monitor his workload, uh, whether that was going to be some kind of point of emphasis, some kind of narrative this in a, San Francisco coming into this, this first very, season. This is a very – listen closely. This is very good. At this good. point in his career, John, do you think that Christian McCaffrey is a guy that needs to have his workload managed throughout the course of the season, or is he a guy that can be – leaned on just to completely carry the load throughout the course, course of the whole year. Uh, you know, Christian came in, and, and uh, I tell you what, he obviously he had the injury history, and he ran into a rough stretch. All I know is when he came to us, he was healthy. And uh, did we manage some things during the week? I think, of course you do. You know, he had come to a, a schedule that the folks in Carolina had worked with him that worked best for him. And when you've got an elite athlete like that, you tend to listen to them. I always believe the athlete knows their body better than anyone else. So, you, of course, you listen. But I never felt like we had to manage him. Um, I think we're we're very fortunate that we have a guy like Elijah Mitchell right behind him. We've got Ty Davis Price in there, um, J.P. Mason right behind him. So we're well stocked at the running back position. But I can't say enough about what Christian did for for our team, not just our offense, but for our team. He's he's one of the one of the really great players in this league, and we're very fortunate to have him. Dude, uh, dude that's the, that is the most – that's about as glowing an endorsement of a running back and their willingness to feed feed this running back that you're going to get out of any of these coaches. He's like, dude, he's like, of course we have to manage him, but he had a bad stretch in Carolina. The way that we managed – like the way that we, we managed him was just during the week. We just let him, let him not practice, <laughs> you know, just let him get his body right during the week. And and the the, the- – the cool thing that I, that I really the math I did when you asked that question was obviously in Carolina he was the he was the only fucking thing too like it yeah. was thirty carries or dead but yeah. that team's not gonna do anything and now in San Fran it's like okay we don't have to expect thirty maybe we can expect twenty four manage his workload we also manage manage Debo a little bit they act like they're not managing but obviously they're managing the the day to day in the week of practice which is gonna keep him healthier my question for you is that was positive that was glowing. And he stays in San Francisco. Obviously, we saw what he did last year, like eighteen hundred all purpose yards or something like that. Is he one oh one or you is he back uh, in that conversation? Well, I mean, he's probably back in the conversation. I think that after this after this last season, just with the way roster construction works and the way that that one two turn looks yeah. with guys like Travis Etienne available to you, guys yeah. like you know. Uh, Kenneth Walker, these kinds of players available to you there at that. Like, like so. Let's just construction look. would tell you probably to go Jefferson there. But Jefferson or Chase. What I'm saying yeah, but, is like, but because because if if I have the 101, I'm going with Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And then when I get to the when I get to the two three turn, I'm taking something like I'm going to take something like, you know, um, Travis Etienne and who knows where Josh Jacobs is going to end up, like Etienne or. Kenneth Walker, oh, something like that. You, I start out you with – You're going to take Ken Walker or Kenneth Walker? Oh, I'm sorry. Dude, all right, so speaking <laughs> of that, speaking of that, Good all right. transition right so, there. So, so, let's, so let's hear about let's, – let, let's, I'm sorry. Let's hear about Ken Walker. Angry little elf. <laughs> With how good he was last year, is like is is next year the time to feed him, or like you guys still want to have a committee? Do you think he's yeah, capable sure. of just carrying a big load? Yeah, I'm not sure you can have one guy do it the whole time. You know, I think you need a whole slew of them. I mean, those guys are especially if your team like us that's committed to running the football. You know, um, I don't think you can just rely on one guy. The beating these guys take 
everything they put their, their bodies through. Ken's an amazing worker, uh, you know, grown man, and you know the guy, the guy. The guy takes great care of himself, and you know, but it doesn't matter. I mean, these guys, these guys, you know, you guys have seen the statistics. I mean, I mean, it's a uh, it's a hard position to play. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He, he's just he's still really good, and I don't care. I'll still take him to the two three turn. <laughs> like I, I think that's the way that that's the way that I'd rather build a roster. I think if I'm picking at the one hundred and one. With that being said, a little bit worrisome that John Schneider's saying for one that he's an angry little elf. You can't call him I Kenneth. That. I love that. You can't call him Kenneth. He's an angry little elf. And that that you know he's saying that look, we're gonna have a slew of these guys, a slew, um, not including know, Rashad Penny. I guess, you know, just finally here, unless there's anything else you want to hit on. Is there anything I, else? I mean, we uh, we could bring up uh, Mike McDaniel was the last note ahead and Howie Roseman. Oh. Mike McDaniel. Well, how about how about how, how about we how about we end it? How about we just go out with with what Mike McDaniel proposed to you? All right. Yeah. Mike McDaniel. OK, but me. but but wait, wait, wait. For, before we do that. OK, I want to about Roseman? I want to talk about Howie, how, okay. Howie, how, Howie Roseman. Yeah, because um, in a in a post Miles Sanders world. Is it even within the realm of possibility that there could be some kind? Because we know if it's Kenny, Kenny Gain. So I can still call Kenny Gainwell Kenny, right? Or do, do I have to call him Ken? Ken, <laughs> Ken Gainwell. I, I can't call him Ken. With <laughs> with with, uh, with Kenny Gainwell, is there any world where he could at least be the leader, like the one A within the committee, right? Uh, like I don't think that any of us have any grand visions of Kenneth Gainwell coming in there and, you know, getting 18 carries, you know, six targets a game. But could he be somebody who could be leaned on more? Kenny Gainwell. Is that two questions that I brought up before? I, I think I got to go with someone first and come back to you. Do you think the Gainwell, Kenny Gainwell is the kind of guy who can take on more of a lead back role going forward? Yeah, Kenny's an impressive young player. Uh, and when you watch him and you watch his skill set, he's got um, – really good vision um he's got the ability to get small and get skinny and um he can catch the ball he can protect um he's a good player you know we've also seen in this league they need more than one it's, it's hard to roll with just one running back in this league so um i think we're we're happy with kenny know also that um he hasn't hit his ceiling yet and obviously he had, he had a good playoff run but you know it's a position that we're going to continue to add at. we don't have a lot of guys under contract right now so um, we'll continue to look at players in that position and in a lot of positions. Bijan Robinson, maybe <laughs> if he goes there, Kenny Gainwell could be cooked. That was but, that was complete bullshit. But you know, one twenty-five ADP right now. Do you, you think it's BS? You hundred percent. I wasn't. I number one thing is like obviously the Miles Sanders stuff came out the last two days about them like not bringing him back, but also like him fully going into yeah we trust Kenny Gainwell. You're an idiot if you trust Kenny Gainwell to be your every down back. Yeah, you can trust him. Yeah, you can like him, but come on. I wouldn't man. ask you about that. I'm just like more of a lead role. Like no, no, yeah, hundred percent. He can be a leader in the room, but I'm saying like as far as how how he took that and how how he answered that was like, oh yeah, he's a he's a leader in this. It's like okay, is he really? No, he's not. He's not a 215 pound back that you can trust. Miami Dolphins. Um, we were by the way, Mike McDaniel's just. I, I've I've done a 180 on what I think. I th I thought I saw this guy at the combine last year. I was telling Trash Man and Cody, I'm like, I'm not sure about this dude. I'm not sure this is like he's funny as he, shit. dude. He's he, I can tell he's probably really good at relating to these players and everything. Yeah. Um, he he was at this was I somebody asked right before I was set to ask. They they don't have they don't have one dollar. 
designated for a running back next season on their current roster. And so one of the Miami Beat reporters said, like, well, what, you know, what, what the hell? Like, what, you know, what are you doing? And he's just like, you know, we're looking for good players. And he's like, well, right, but, you know, what do you look at as far as attributes? What he says, we have a lot of really good players on this team, a lot of guys that need the football. He didn't say this, but, you know, you think about the you, – obviously, it's, th- this is a, a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle offense, right? This is the thing where these guys get peppered with targets. They get peppered as extensions of the run game. Um you know, he said, so we need somebody who's going to be a good teammate who, who doesn't necessarily mind that, right? And do you know what? I don't think it's that big a deal within the context of that offense if you have to give up a little piece of the pie every now and then just for this sort of stuff because in the context of that offense, when it is clicking on all cylinders, you're going to find yourself in scoring position and, and you're going to get your fantasy points, right? But what he did say was that unselfishness, that locker room stuff, and the ability to pass protect. Yep. The, the the ability to do everything that we need you to do without the ball in your hands. You know, whenever we fake it to you and you gotta chip some dude, you gotta you gotta take care of all the stuff without the ball in your hands because a lot of times it's gonna be it's gonna be the play is gonna be designed off of your action, right? But it's going to go elsewhere. You need to be good with that kind of stuff. So I would say with Miami, just keep that in mind. The the, the guys who are good in pass pro, the guys who are good without the balls in their hands. Um, those are the kinds of players that it seems like Mike McDaniel is going to be in on. I think that the biggest breaking news is the new uh, is 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 the new number three wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. I I, I will announce that here in a second, but I wanted to couple off that, of what you just that's, said. That's the biggest news. I know, but we're gonna end with that. We're gonna end with the breaking news. But the what I wanted to couple off your running back comments about that was that he brought up the fact that he's been in the same system for 18 years, dating back to Washington, San Fran, and learning from experiences. And when you when you talk about that, naturally, if you're learning from an experience playing in Washington and what San Fran's done the last three years with uh, <coughs> Trey, Trey Sermon and uh, Tyrion Davis Price, um, right? And then hitting on later round guys like Mason, Joe and, Williams, and, and, yeah, Joe Williams, Mason and uh, Elijah Mitchell. It's like. I was the last couple months kind of in, of the expectation, like Devon A. Chain's going to run fast. Devon A. Chain fits the Jeff Wilson, the Raheem Mostert body style, body comparison. Second round, dial him in, 52nd overall, he's going to be there. Now after listening to Mike McDaniel actually talk about it, learning from experiences, 18 years in the same system, it reminds why not just take – throw two darts in the sixth and seventh round on a running back and bring back one of Jefferson and most – Jefferson, Jeff – Wilson or Mostert to their running back position and just kind of keep rolling with that exact build. Why wouldn't they just, why would you spend early draft capital if you're learning, if you've learned anything through the process? Maybe if like Roshan Johnson fell to the fourth, they could just take him. All right. That's not going to happen, <laughs> but that would be fantastic. The other note I want to hit on really quickly was uh, Mike Gusecki because Mike Gusecki is obviously going to hit free agency. Mike, this is his quote from uh, Mike McDaniel was Mike has earned the right to test the market, there's always room for good players for him to have the opportunity to go earn money. We very much encourage that. and We are of the business of signing good players. They said they'd love to have him back, but they want him to have his opportunity to go make a quick dollar. So that's a – I thought that was very interesting that he just brought that up about, you know, we obviously love what he brings to the table, but we want him to go out there and see what the, what the market offers. No, that, that's the it's not you, it's me thing, Right. It isn't you, Mike. It really isn't you. We know what you can do as a guy that's as a guy that's flexed off the line of scrimmage. We know what you can do as a wide receiver. Do you know who we know you aren't? 
George Kittle. <laughs> we know you're not going to put some dude's dick in the dirt, man. Like, like you're just – you're not going to do it. You're not going to just get off all game on just getting out there, putting just putting a dude's face mask in the grass and pretending like that is your entire goal and that is what makes you have this monster game is these killer block after killer block after killer block. That's just not – it, that's not in Mike Gesicki's wheelhouse. Send it, dude. Send him up to Cincinnati. Hayden, Hayden Hurst is gone. Send send him to Cincinnati and let's and let's see some fireworks. That'd be oh, that's high breath. How about how about those fireworks with, with, with the new wide receiver? Three so there was a new wide receiver signing at the combine. I don't know if this has ever happened. Day one of the combine, no athletic testing has happened yet, but there was a signing. The wide receiver three position was offered. It was up to Eric Azukama, Cedric Wilson, Trent Sherford was there this year, but. Uh, uh, Mike McDaniels uh, responded with and offered a contract to your boy. For your wide receiver three position, is it Eric Azucama and Cedric Wilson, or are you going to look somewhere else? I'm looking everywhere. Can you catch? <laughs> I'm here. All right. You look cheap, so I think we'll sign you. But then you'll sign you. Hey, they think you'll sign you. Congratulations, you're rich. Why? Hey, why are we even doing this? Why, why are we doing this stream? You're rich. Let's get off of here. I think we. I think let's we, get off of here. I think we log off of here. I think we head down to Miami Beach. Come on, let's get let's get to Miami Beach. The 305, man. We're coming your way.